All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Make the Jump here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. What is up, folks? Welcome back to another epic episode of the show. Last time you caught me, I was talking to the great author, Mr. Ian Dosher, of The Clone Army Attacketh, one of my favorites, the William Shakespeare series, his latest book, The Jedi The Last, is out there right now for you to pick up. But on this special episode, I'm nerding out on some true Star Wars talk with a good friend of mine, good friend of the podcast network, and somebody who comes highly recommended to me by Mr. Caden Stetler himself. I'm telling you, it's a connection that's going to last a very long time, extending itself into a galaxy way, way far, far away, and even in this galaxy, too. It's Mr. Stephen Tillman, the Star Wars guru himself. What is up, brother? How is it going this evening? Hey, man, it goes well. How's everybody out there on the podcast universe out there listening? Star Wars guru here. Thanks for having me on the show. And shout out to Caden, too. He's an awesome guy. (laughs) I'm telling I don't know if you know this, but Caden and I literally talk every single day, and there's not a day that doesn't go by that he's like, yo, you got to get Stephen Tillman on the show, dude. You you, you got to get him on there to talk about some Star Wars. So guess what? We're dropping the hammer. We're laying it down on the line right now. I, but number one, I always ask this to people who come on Make the Jump. It's like, wh- wh- where did Star Wars start for you, dude? Like, I, I know with the Star Wars guru, you're always breaking down different things about the Star Wars universe. But where did it start for you? All right, well, my my Star Wars journey is it's it's a it's a it's a weird one. I'll say that, uh-huh. but it. I didn't start uh, as a kid like a, a lot of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm 29, so when I first got into Star Wars, it was around maybe 2007. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I say I've, I'm my Star Wars fandom is I'm I'm around 11 years old in yeah. in my Star Wars fandom age. So I was actually tricked into watching Star Wars. It, it was something that I, I really had no interest in doing. Uh-huh. Ever, uh, especially if you were to talk to high school Steven, he probably would have <laughs> laughed in your face and, and told you to you know get out of my face as well too. Right, right. Uh, but uh, the way it happened after we graduated, I had a friend. Uh, shout out to Eric. I'm gonna hopefully he's gonna listen to this. He he sometimes watch listens to some of the podcasts. Eric, you gotta but, listen, um, buddy. Oh yeah, yeah. He has he has to listen. Because he, he, he's the one who started this, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I give him all the credit for, you know, creating me. But uh, he would always ask me, you know, hey, man, let's watch Star Wars, you know, because he was all about it. And I was, yeah. that sounds silly, you know, especially the way he described it to me. It, it sounded stupid. So one day he uh, he invited me over. I, I don't. I don't want to say what he invited me over with because I, I don't know the age group of the listening, you know, who, who are going to listen. But uh, That's fine. he uh, he tempted me with uh, some spice, maybe. Yeah. From yeah. Jabba the Hutt's Corner. And, you know, I was like, OK, you know what? I'll be over there. I was, you know, 18, fresh out of high school. I was like, all right, I'll be over there. Yeah, for sure. I get over there. He's uh, he's like, yeah, about that spice. Uh, I have it, but you got to watch at least one movie with me. I was like, are you serious? Ooh. So we watched episode one, The Phantom Menace. He put that movie on, and I was, I was like, oh wow, um, I do kind of want to know what happens next. So go ahead and put in the next one. He put in episode two. 
Uh, by the time episode two was over, I asked, uh, hey, man, is it cool if I spend the night tonight? He went and asked his parents, and uh, they, of course, said, yeah. So we spent the night. We watched the prequels. And we ended up watching episode three. And I told him, I'm like, look, dude, we're going to be up all night. Let's go ahead and watch them all. So we ended up watching all six of them. It took about 13 wow. hours. That was back in the day, though, when you could watch all the Star Wars movies in, you know, one that's night. Right. Now, you know, we're getting to the point where that's never going to be able to happen now. Right. But I remember after watching episode six and, you know, it's already because I, 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 I went to his house probably like 10 uh, at, at night, you know, the, the day before. And now it's like it's maybe like nine, ten in the morning the next day. We're up still. I remember saying, like, why haven't I watched this before? And he looked at me as I like, dude, I've been trying. And from that day, it changed my life. Like Star Wars literally changed my life. I, I remember going to because I love reading a lot mm-hmm. more than watching television or, or movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still watch TV, you know, stuff like Game of Thrones or Doctor Who, but right. I'm more into reading. So I went to the bookstore. I saw there were Star Wars books. Now, I remember buying this one book. It was called The Rise of Darth Vader. Oh, yes. That was the first EU book I, I ever read. I read that, fell in love. I I remember, man, driving as far as like uh, places like Temple, uh, which are other cities around here, to like I'm, I'm literally driving out of the cities to like pick up other books because I had to I had to read them all. Wow. And man, just the expanding universe changed my life. And fast forward to where we are today, and here I am now. And Star Wars is an obsession. It's a love. Yeah. Like Star Wars is, you know, has connected me to to people of all different kinds of, you know, backgrounds. No matter their race, religion, pol- you know, politics, whatever oh, side, yeah. you know, all on. <laughs> Star Wars just it's it's magic, you know, and and to Oof. spread that joy, yeah, especially with the community. So that's my that's that's how I got on to Star Wars. <laughs> Yo, man, that touched all the feels when it comes to a Star Wars story <laughs> in many ways. Like that that is the way to do it. Also, the idea that Jabba's spice got involved in that too is also pretty freaking sweet too. But <laughs> Obviously, but no, it's really cool, and especially as being somebody who loves the EU as well. I mean, I grew up on the EU books myself as well. I remember going to Barnes & Noble and, like, looking through and be like, all right, I used to get my paychecks from my high school job, and I used to be like, all right, each week, or each, whatever it was, every other week, I would pick up a new EU book, and I would would read through it. Like, that would be my weekly thing, and I'd just kind of browse through whether it was the Rule of Two series, whether it was... Uh, some, you know, Tarkin, whether it was the Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Legends book, you know, there were different things that we kind of, you know, dug ourselves into and it kind of became, in many ways, I'm sure you'd agree with this, a little bit of a headcanon for us. Like, we would, we would develop that and we would want to dig ourselves into more of these stories and say, all right, here's a little bit about Obi-Wan, now I'm going to read a little bit about Vader. And it's so great because those books brought so many different, you mentioned it before, even before I hit record, the stories of Star Wars. And and it's amazing that even today, even today, people are still going to the bookstores, they're still going online, they're buying their ebook versions, and they're sitting there and they're reading the EU novels. And it's so great to see that, man. I mean, I'm sure for you, taking a seat, step back and seeing where Star Wars is today, the EU books still mean so much to us in so many different ways. Uh, definitely. The, the EU, especially... For people who who grew up with Star Wars, I mean, this was their only, you know, road to, to Star Wars story. You know, there were no mm. movies coming out there. 
you know, it, it wasn't like it is right now, you know? Yeah. So like the EU is all they had, you know? You, you wanted to, you wanted to know what happened after episode six. You had to read, you know, you had, you had to read the comics, the novels. Yeah. You know, you wanted to know what happened before episode one. You had to read the novels and the comics. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't a plethora of movies being made in development, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the EU was the lifeline. And for a lot of people, I believe that, and it was the case for me, especially too, man, some of the EU stories, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, they were, they were better than, than the movies. Yes. You know, I know, that, I know that may be sacrilege almost to say, but, nah. man, but it, but it's true. Yeah. For sure. I, I can think of so many times, especially reading the legacy of the force uh, novel series. I mean, I can think of so many times where, I mean, me as being an adult, I mean, I've had, tears water down my eyes because i'm reading some star wars novel and i'm thinking yep. to myself I'm like oh my god this this book the star wars book just made me cry you know <laughs> for sure what, what's going on in my life right now <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no it's true it has like a deeper connection like i remember picking up the revan novel when i had a family loss and it was like there was this you know kind of like what revan was going through in uh at times where he was like very conflicted about who he truly was oh yeah and and it, it was the same feeling that I had. I was like, okay, I just lost a family member. Who who am I going to be going forward? It's like it's like it tests you in many ways. And Star Wars has such an appeal with what we are currently experiencing in life and things that we've experienced in the past. And it's such a beautiful, uh, epic storyline, not just for Star Wars, but for the things that we do experience in real life. And I I don't think there's any other. At least in my mind, I haven't experienced any other franchise, maybe other than Doctor Who, uh, more in particular, that has made that kind of an impact on me. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Stephen, but it, Star Wars has an interesting way of when we are down and out or at a real peak in our lives, we go to it and we say, okay, I, I just want to be enveloped in a story and I, I want to continue that feeling that it brings to me. You know what I mean? Definitely. Star Wars is... it's. Star Wars can be used for so many things. It's like that one ingredient that your nana used in everything. Yeah. You know? It's it, are are you feeling down today? Star Wars. Are you are you are you feeling happy and you want to be you know your 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 spirit you know you, Star Wars. You know, like you just said, you had a had a loss in the family at a time. You went to Star Wars. You know, Star Star Wars. You you can do that with with Star Wars and like and like you said, I'm, I agree with you. There's there's not too many other franchises that I can say that, oh yeah, like I can, I can go to it in, in my time of need. Now mm. I agree with you with Dr. Who. I, I can definitely do that with Dr. Who. I, I love Dr. Yeah. Who. And, uh, and, and as much as I love game of Thrones, I really can't do it with game of Thrones, but, mm. but Dr. Who and star Wars m more so star Wars, I will say. Yeah. But just throw it out there. Dr. Who is up there, but more so with star Wars, <laughs> it, it can, you know, star Wars can make you feel a certain a certain way i i can't explain that feeling because really mm -hmm. it's different for everybody you know but but it gives you that that warm fuzzy feeling in your heart that just makes you think oh you know what for for the moment while i'm reading this star wars story all my life problems are just out the window right now you know for for this moment you know? and mm -hmm. and to me that's what star wars is and, and not only that but star wars if star wars can make me smile or make someone else smile especially like children or, or someone who, who who really had nothing else to, to turn to to me that's that that's the win right there 
that that's the joy of Star Wars because that's what Star Wars was to me at the time whenever I first got into it. It was a horrible point in my life. I was I was a very bad person. I got in trouble a lot. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of things I shouldn't. But and then and I'll be honest, Star Wars changed that. I mean, if I didn't have Star Wars now, I'd probably be running with some of those friends who who yeah. to this day are either like locked up or like have nothing really going for themselves. But Star Wars put me on a different path, and and I'll be forever grateful. Hell yeah, man! I mean, exactly that. It's it's the greatest form of escapism that we can experience in life. I mean, you could. I guess there's other people out there. Scott Inch would talk to me about it. That Star Trek for him does that. That's the other franchise, though. And you know, in my mind, escapism is like the most important thing when it comes to those times. And if we can utilize it as much as possible when needed. And not to overutilize it because there are some who do overutilize it, and we've seen that most recently on <laughs> on social media, where people <laughs> are just taking it to the next level, and it's the only thing that exists in this world, and and that can be a dangerous point, of course. And it, it's just so great that now today in the fandom we can have these conversations, and that we can break it down even farther. It's what I like to call the lull period in between Star Wars movies, too, because <laughs> it gives us such a great conversation point, too. And while I have you on here, Stephen, one, one of the things I really want to break down, and it's something that I've noticed in a lot of the content that you put out as the Star Wars guru himself, is not necessarily focusing on the core aspects of Star Wars, but taking it to that next level. Really taking a look at what are the outlying factors in Star Wars that kind of play into the narrative and everything. And... This includes one specific region of Star Wars, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And it touches upon the EU, like we mentioned before. And it's this little section called the Outer Rim in Wild Space. Now, when we're talking about this specific section of the Star Wars universe, I always go back to the EU books and I'm like, there, there's, you know, I'm going to mention it, Mike Moriarty of Home One Hangout, I'm going I'm to mention you here, is the Yuuzhan Vong. And, and what existed out there and what the Chiss Ascendancy was dealing with with the Yuuzhan Vong. We've seen that now come back into the canon. Not the Yuuzhan Vong, thank goodness, right now. But <laughs> <laughs> we've seen this with the development of Thrawn himself. And what we've seen play out in the comic books and the novels. The Chiss Ascendancy is is a true lying factor in the Star Wars universe again. And and for you, Stephen, like, I want to get to know some of your background knowledge on the Chiss Ascendancy. Like, where do you stand on them in canon, and where do you stand on, well, could they be utilized in different areas here in the new canon? Well, uh, with the Chiss Ascendancy, I like the idea of um, there being other players in the in the political game, you know, because, mm. you know, if, uh, if you're, you know, just looking at it from just the movie standpoint, you know, mm. we really only ever see, you know, they're just being two sides, you know, whether right. it's just the empire and then people who are trying to, you know, go against the empire, which in the case would be the, uh, you know, the rebellion. Mm-hmm. You never really see any other political factions. I mean, we talk about the huts, but right. it's never really stated in the movies that, you know, a lot of people don't really realize, you know, that hut space is hut space. You know, they have their own <laughs> yeah. little sector, you know. And so I think the movies, you know, uh, they don't I don't want to say they don't do a good job of it because it's, I don't think it's ever been needed to mm-hmm. expand on it at the time but you know they really don't you know tell you like hey there are other people out there ruling you know space and you know their own little territories and when you add stuff like you know the chiss you know to me it, it makes it more realistic you know especially in our world you know we have you know 
so many you know nations and, and stuff like that. So I, I like the idea of having the chess, and I also like the idea of that. I mean, there's so much you could do with them in 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 movies, especially mm. going forward. You know, after after episode six. I mean, I, I think it may be a little too late now to introduce them. I guess into the sequel trilogy since we've right. already went. You know, we're already two movies in, and there's no mention of. I mean, you could still make it work, mm. but. Uh, and the way I think you can make it work is actually with that uh, line in uh, The Last Jedi about, you know, the friends in the Outer Rim and, and stuff like that, you know. You know, maybe they could be, you know, but that's just me with my tinfoil hat on. But <laughs> but the Chiss Ascendancy could be a really important, you know, uh, piece into the game, you know, if, if the people at Lucasfilm want to use it, you know. Uh, it, it's just interesting to see where they want to do with it. A, a lot of the times, you know... They build up these characters or these factions in the comics and the novels, and they, and they don't really do anything with them yeah. whenever, whenever it comes to on screen. And and mostly I'm looking at like characters like Ray Sloan, stuff mm. like that. Like you, you set these characters up, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh man, they have to be, you know, setting this this character up or this faction up for like a future, you know, a future, you know, release in like a mm. uh, television or a movie and. And you would hope that's what they're doing with the Chiss and with yeah. and Thrawn because it's just – maybe it's just me, but it feels like you're just throwing too much of it at us to not – for it to not mean something, you know? That's such a good point. I mean I talked with Scott Inch on talking far, far away about it a couple times. And it's like you bring in authors like Claudia Gray. You bring in authors like Chuck Wendig and, and E.K. Johnson and all, all these different people that develop these Star Wars novels. And where is the connection there? Where Where is the canon connection between what you're giving us on the screen and what we're actually seeing play out in the novels? More recently, the Thrawn novel specifically, because uh, – did you read the Thrawn novel at all, Stephen? Yes, uh, the first one? Yeah. Yeah. The end of that book alone – with what's going on with Eli Vanto and how Thrawn wants him to go and take care of some business with the Chiss in their <laughs> section of the galaxy, and that there's this impending power. That's the one thing that Thrawn continues and, to talk about, is the impending power that, that, <laughs> that surrounds, and, and he warns the Emperor himself, hey, there's something out there that could easily defeat your empire. And, and that is absolutely fascinating. And 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 to me, this is and, and this is just 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 my uh, looking at it. That to me is is a clue to the power I believe behind the first order. Yes. To, to me, to me that has to be that connective tissue, you know, that they're giving us. Because and and again, it, it just may be a coincidence. It just may be me focusing on it. But it's like you said, they're throwing they're throwing too much of that threat in the unknown regions you know mm-hmm. to us for it not to mean something you know uh you you see it i, mean, I don't want to say you see it everywhere now but i mean like you said you see it in the thrawn novel uh you see it again in the thrawn comic adaption obviously yes but it, it's just like you're they, they're just making it a point you know where it's like hey strange powers in the unknown you know in the unknown regions you know then we find you know that the first order you know a lot of their beginning roots you know are straight from the unknown regions and yeah. it's like what what is this power <laughs> you know? yeah it's absolutely mind-blowing at times and i even connected to another novel which is chuck wendig's uh empire's end you you see so oh, yeah. much of the development with jacques in this observa- observatory that 
that Palpatine built on the planet itself and that this was going to be the the end-all, be-all for the Empire when he's gone because he doesn't want it to continue. And even in that novel, they speak of this power that suddenly that Palpatine was confused about, that, that had been mentioned in the Outer Rim. I mean, it's been sprinkled in these different places. And, and what they do with that, who knows? And, and I think, and don't quote me word for word, but I believe even in the Aftermath novels, uh, they mention that Palpatine believed that the source of the dark side or something around that nature yeah. you know, was, was located in, in the unknown regions. And, and to me, <laughs> it, it, it could also connect back to, uh, locations like Mortis. Cause I, yeah. I believe Mortis is in the, un, you know, unknown regions. You have places like, uh, I want to say Teth. Yep. They're in the unknown regions. And, and if you think of locations just like that, you know, you, uh, you have Mortis where it was that, that spiritual realm. Yeah. And then, then you have Teth and you're, and you're probably thinking, you know, there's no spirituality connection to that, but think of what was on Teth whenever we do see it in, I believe it was the Clone Wars movie. Yeah. It was a monastery there. That's right. You know, and, and so it's like, what, what was going on on Teth, you know, the, all those hundreds or thousands of years ago, you know, where, where there were, there would be monasteries, you know, in these mm. unknown regions, you know, what individual or, or people in power were using this, you know, and so again, those to me are, are little pieces to this puzzle that we're all just trying to figure out right now. <laughs> you know, it, it, an interesting source, of course, the Star Wars guru is a source for me for a lot of this stuff, and Star Wars Explained, and there's one that's still out there, and I, it's kind of funny, as I always do research before I have a conversation here. The, the name that I think we're probably trying to hold back on, but I think we're slowly trying to mention, <laughs> is the man himself, Mr. Goldrobe himself, Mr. Supreme Leader Snoke. And... When you go through his Wikipedia page and really look back, the maps that he's using with, with, with his group, the attendants, it says directly that these maps were obtained and designed by Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is oh, yeah. absolutely fascinating because, therefore, and it's, it's funny because I have conversations, Stephen, all the time with people, and it's like, well, where did you get that? Where did you get that information? It's like, go online. <laughs> like, Pablo's yeah. obviously given a clearance to be on there. And it's in some context. And I truly believe, curious to hear your thoughts on this. I, I, I think I got a clear idea, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to clarify it. Um, the connection between what Grand Admiral Thrawn had built, and obviously maybe they're going to make the EU connections with what he's been able to do across all these years, maybe in the new Thrawn novel specifically. But what he's been able to accomplish as Grand Admiral and trying to protect the Chiss people from this power that lingers... And what Snoke was able to accomplish in such a small period of time in developing the First Order, it, it's it. You kind of take a step back and you say, there, "There's got to be a correlation there somewhere because it's being thrown at us in different places." And it, it definitely has to be some sort of connection with Snoke to the to whether or not Snoke is that power that Thrawn talked about, or or, or maybe. And then this is just maybe throwing it out there, you know, and in, in, into the uh, theory universe out there. Absolutely. But maybe Snoke found whatever Thrawn was warning, you know, the Emperor about, you know, whatever Thrawn, you know, because you know, the, even the Chiss ascendancy, I believe, you know, they were they were worried about this this threat as well too, mm -hmm. you know. So it wasn't just you know, you know, just people outside of you know their their region, you know, people within. On the unknown regions were also worried, you know. So yeah. like it's, 
and, and again, it's just like what what can it be that is causing so many people, especially when you look at the Chiss ascendancy, and, and this is just me also considering their expanded universe legends backstory. But mm-hmm. I mean, the Chiss ascendancy is, is uh, the Chiss. You know, they're they're very powerful. You know, yes. You know, so so for them to be like, hey. They they scare us, you know, or this yeah. this whatever this you know they you know it worries us. Then what the hell can it be? And, and I don't I don't see it being Snoke like himself being what that you know what they were warned about. But I do believe Snoke has probably found whatever it is, and he may be tapping into it. Well, not anymore, obviously, mm. but but uh, he 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 may have been tapping into it, and maybe now Kylo has access to that whatever oh. Snoke had. Like, can you imagine if someone unstable as Kylo Ren had access to it? Because whether or not wow. you like Snoke or not, but I do believe Snoke had. If Snoke d- did have access to this power, I believe he has enough uh, maturity about him to you know be able to not let it consume him as like a Kylo Ren would. Kylo Ren is unstable, and you know you wow. give him anything of that power, you know who knows what what he would be capable you've totally opened up my episode nine feels right now oh my goodness <laughs> just the idea that an unstable kylo ren now has access to what snoke and the attendants had that they had access to these maps into these places does kylo actually go to the source of all these this this lingering issue amongst the chiss ascendancy and what the emperor was concerned about at one point and does he go and seek that out in episode nine in some way or form, now that he is technically the supreme leader of the First Order in many ways. I mean, that would be a way to really build a conflict, not just in what Kylo could become, but a conflict in what is actually lingering on the lighter side of Kylo Ren as well. Exactly. And and this would also help strengthen the character of Kylo in being the big bad guy. Yeah. Because you know? uh, I never really had the feeling that Snoke would be the big baddie. I mean, I always right. viewed him as like a, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a supplement to, you know, Kylo Ren, you know, to yeah. showcase his, his growth. So now that you have Snoke dead, I mean, unless, and, and I really doubt Lucasfilm would do this, but mm-hmm. unless Lucasfilm is going to bring a new big bad villain for yeah. episode nine, I mean, they could still bring a villain, a new villain in for episode nine, but make him under Kylo. But right. I, I doubt they would make you know a new villain be over Kylo. So now Kylo has to be the guy. Yeah. So for me, the best way to make him that guy is give him that knowledge. Give him, give him whatever it is that you're teasing us, the reader. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Seriously. Gonna, I give give him that. I want. I, I would love to see Kylo with that type of power. Whether it's a, uh, and then this is just me from from how how I take it from uh-huh. from watching the Clone Wars. Anytime characters talk about great power for some reason i always have it in my head that it's a super weapon especially because star wars loves their right, super weapon. they do so so i imagine that it's a super weapon and anytime a super weapon is around i feel like it has something to do with kyber crystals mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. especially with uh you know those uh unreleased episodes that they uh well not unreleased but unfinished episodes <laughs> that are on starwars.com right. yoda makes a quote uh and again it's not word for word because I haven't watched those episodes in so long, but he, he he talks about how long ago, you know, when the Sith were in great numbers, you know, always, you know, they always had, 
you know, weapons of mass destruction, and in the heart of them were always kyber crystals. Mm. And, and you know, to me, again, this would be to me, you know, it would it would be nice to see what what type of uh, destructive power Kylo can have. But if they're gonna go that route, make it something that's not like a Death Star or anything. You can have super weapons, and it's okay to make them different than mm. Death Star type weapons. Yeah, like I would like to see a variety when it comes to super weapons. Let's not make them all battle stations that shoot lasers out of them. <laughs> it's funny because the minute you started mentioning the super weapon piece and the idea that Kylo could easily be like going back into Star Wars lore and back into the original Sith and trying to find a design. The minute you started talking about that, I thought about the Star Forge. That's the first thing oh. that came to my <laughs> mind. Is something along the lines of what Revan was able to kind of contribute to in many ways, something that could really, really make an impact on the galaxy. And, I mean, if it's even the design of the Star Forge, then you know he's gone back and he's really done his research. Maybe Snoke, maybe, you know, again, if Snoke had access to what Thrawn had and all the knowledge and all the history that he had, Snoke would have easily had an idea. And Snoke's been around a long time, too, to have the knowledge okay. of what the Star Forge actually was. And then build that into what Kylo learns. Oh my goodness. Then we're talking about a whole different realm with episode 9. If suddenly, you know, uh, Poe Dameron says, well, what's that thing? It's like, it's the Star Forge. It's like, what? Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. That'd be an amazing thing. And, and, and think about this, though, because of the Star Forge, I mean, it, it could work. I it mean, could. Uh, th think about, because uh, it's been so long since I played Knights of the Republic, but the mm. Star Forge, uh, it, 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 it creates an unlimited supply of uh of ships if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like yeah, that's can, right. It can produce. So so think about this. So how how uh, I mean we know, you know that they're the first order is getting funds from you know rich people, uh -huh. you know for weapons or whatnot. But their fleet, you know that they have. You know who's making this in the in, in the unknown regions? What what if it was a Star Forge? You know what if Snoke was using the Star Forge to make these ships to, Ooh. you know, and I mean it, it could work. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not saying it is, but you know that it, it's it's logical, and it would be a great way to pull something from the expanding universe that a lot of fans really enjoyed, and then you know you you add it and you and you put it into you know canon. It could work. Yeah, it absolutely could because up until this point, Stephen, we've really only seen specifically Starkiller Base, which in the mind of Snoke, he didn't really seem concerned when the whole thing would started like falling apart. It was like, oh okay, whatever. Like <laughs> bring bring me yeah. Kylo Ren and and come meet me. It was it was like, okay, we can toss that aside. Like you're saying, there there has to be something that's creating these dreadnoughts now. There has to be something that's creating the fleet in which they have because when we watch The Last Jedi, it's like, okay, Snoke's ship alone the size of that thing. You would have to have yeah. something like the Starforge building something along that level. You, it's, and it's not something that, you know, suddenly we see the development like of, of on Lethal, like it's developing TIE Fighters. It's nothing on that magnitude necessarily, or, or on that smaller magnitude, you could say. It, it's something much larger that, that's able to develop what the First Order has. And if the rich is funding it, then you know it's got to be something bigger at that point, too. Definitely, it has to be, and and again, it, it just it, it would it would fit so perfectly into the mm. story. I mean, and uh, I'm 
and I guess also you could call it fan service if you wanted to, because <laughs> right. I mean, because it, it it really is if you if you think about it, that's exactly what it would be. It'd be a good kind though, you know, the kind be. that you that you want to see, you know, and and that's what. Man, it, it could work. I'm just the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, somebody needs to uh, sit down with J.J. Abrams and let him know, hey, this is this is how it goes down. <laughs> there's no questions about it, J.J. You you have to throw the Star Forge in there. There's there's no backing out of it now. That that that's such such an interesting point. And you know, the other thing too is Stephen, and one of the things that. I kind of reflect upon it, obviously, as we're moving closer to Episode Nine, and, of course, we're talking about the Outer Rim and Wild Space specifically, is that where there is an impending darkness that does linger somewhere out there, as we know, the light in the dark is present everywhere throughout the galaxy. Uh, when, If we do see the, Kylo Ren pursue the dark of the Outer Rim and the Unknown Regions and, and Wild Space more specifically, if we see him go that route... I would love to see Rey go the opposite way. Like, Luke was looking for these Jedi temples. I mean, how cool would it be to see Rey herself go and explore what's out there? Uh, places that Obi-Wan has been. Places, I mean, I dare say this. I talked to <laughs> Fode from Starbecue about this. Do we see places like maybe Qui-Gon was, spoke of at one point? And Rey is going to seek these through the Jedi text that she has in hand. And and that would be another fascinating journey to see play out, I feel. But in a way, it's funny I say that because you're talking about Episode Nine. You're talking about where J.J. has to wrap up some things, and he has to also extend it a little bit longer. What do you think, Stephen? Do you think if Kylo Ren does go to the outside and he goes and explores the dark, do you think Ray could absolutely go out and explore some of the light side stuff through the text? Uh, definitely, especially because I feel like Kylo and Ray, they're... Uh... They're basically the, you know, they they're the same, but at the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I feel like what what Kylo does, I feel like Ray does as well mm. too. So so you'll definitely, and, and again, this is if I was if I was, you know, doing nine, I would definitely make it where if if Kylo is exploring and and learning dark side teachings from a bygone uh, era, long mm-hmm. gone, you know, then so is Ray. You know, and, and Ray will obviously do that, you know, with the with the text that she has now. So we'll we'll definitely see that with Ray. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping at least, especially if you have the uh, Poe Dameron comic, mm-hmm. you know, see uh, see Dinkpio, uh translating some yes. of the text for her. So I imagine, I, at least I would like to imagine in my head that Kylo's somewhere doing the same thing, but you know, with with dark side, uh, you know, uh, mm. with dark side powers learning. And trying to strengthen his uh his power because now Kylo, you know, with him being in charge, you know, he has to now, you know, clean the swamp, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, you know. <laughs> that's a, that's then, actually the perfect phrase for this. <laughs> so like that's 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 what Kylo has to do now. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what 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 direction they both take it. Oh, Stephen, how much would you freak out if Ray's going through these texts and she goes places? If we do see Kylo Ren go to Mustafar and like try to find out what Vader was doing over there, oh man, I would. It, first off, anytime there's any type of prequel connection, I'm I'm gonna freak out on, <laughs> on levels that are just like through the roof. Yeah, the prequels. Everything. I would love that. And and from what I read, it was a long time ago, so I can't give you the source of mm-hmm. the uh, of the article. But I believe JJ said whenever he uh, got hired on to. 
uh, do episode nine after Colin was dismissed, that nine would be the episode that connects, you know, the prequels, the originals. You, you know, did the, say that, the, yeah. You know, the, the the television shows, you know, it, 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 it will be that movie. And when you say something like that for a fan like me, that, that really means something. And, yeah. and I'm not going to lie, kind of makes me you know have a certain expectation and i hate to go in any it's type true. of movie with a certain expectation you know yeah. but but you say stuff like that you know now now you have me going into this movie expecting you know like yeah. a, a, a you know a deep connection to to the movies that i love yeah you know and uh and so let's just let's just hope that you know he uh he holds true to that yeah, I, I mean, and J.J. Abrams is one of the best. I mean, my feeling on it is, too, is like, okay, so you had J.J. open this thing up, it makes sense to have him end this thing. I know there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes with Colin Trevorrow that a lot of people were reporting on, some misconceptions and some battles between Lucasfilm and him in terms of what the style was going to be, what the storyline was going to be. And, and those things happen when it comes to the cinematic Definitely. universe, and, and, and sometimes the story just doesn't make sense at that time. And I'm so glad... That it's J.J. coming back because, of course, he was uh, acting executive producer on The Last Jedi. So he knew exactly what was happening in that film. He knew exactly what was being played out with Luke Skywalker, the development of Kylo Ren, the development of Rey as well. And to take that to the next level in Episode Nine, it just makes sense for him to just wrap this thing up and, and move it forward either answering questions or giving us some more. You know there's going to be questions. <laughs> we walk out of every Star Wars film, even Solo, which is which yeah. is just up to this point is is a Star Wars story. We walk out with questions. And and it's amazing to see that that every time we sit down to watch a Star Wars film, Stephen, we we walk out with questions and we're able to have a discussion about it. That that's what it's all about. And 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 I also want to just especially thank you for 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 commenting on the fact that J.J. Abrams knew what was going on in The Last Jedi. Yeah. There's this, there's this, uh, I guess there's this, just, it, uh, I see a lot of people who are under this impression that Ryan Johnson somehow created episode eight and, you know, with J.J. being in the dark on the story, which, yeah. you know, it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't understand that, and, and, it's, and, and I love to hear that you're, you know, you know, setting the record straight on that. JJ, he may have not worked with, and I don't know their, you know, how they how they work with it. So even uh -huh. the way I'm saying it isn't true. But I mean, he may have not worked with him with him day by day on this. But believe me when I say, you know, he was very well in the light on any decision, you know, that Ryan made, especially if it was major when it yeah. came to this movie. I'd be willing to put a lot of money, Stephen, that when Ryan Johnson finished the script for <laughs> for Episode uh, 8, The Last Jedi, and obviously one of the things, all the reports talking, was that when the, <laughs> when the Force Awakens was heading out and they were at the premiere for The Force Awakens, Ryan Johnson was already almost done with the, <laughs> with the Episode 8 uh, plotline and, and the script. He was already almost done with that. And for there oh, to yeah. be this correlation between J.J. finishing a film and being it premiering and Ryan being done with it, I would be willing to bet a ton of money that when that script was done, Ryan handed it to J.J. and said, all right, these were the characters you developed. This is what I'm doing with them. 
how do you think I should approach this going and how do you think I should be able to step back, direct this film and, and project what the star Wars universe needs out of these characters in the middle film. And that's why JJ Abrams gets the credit for executive producer. He wasn't there every day, but he was sitting there saying, all right, I see what you're doing with Ray. All right. I see what you're doing with Kylo and Luke Skywalker. This is how I'm going to conclude it in the next episode. That's why when they made the decision to throw Colin Trevorrow out the window and say, all right, never mind." That's why the announcement of J.J. Abrams was so quick. Because they knew that if something didn't feel right, J.J. was waiting right there. And and they could just call him up. And I think a lot of fans are, are misguided by, I'm, I'm going to say it, I'm not somebody who's out in California all the time or understands this, the, the way that Lucasfilm or these films work. But that's the business side of Star Wars. They always have a backup plan. There's always a direct, uh, director. See, I'm sounding like uh, Looney Tunes over here. They always have a director ready so that they can step in at somebody that they know and somebody that they trust. And J.J. is that factor in so many different ways. And and, and it's crazy to think uh, that that these these two individuals would create their movies without having any contact with each other. Right. It's like, because I, I've heard it plenty of times that, oh man, JJ is going to have to retcon so much from oh, episode eight. You God. know, it's like, what? <laughs> like it, it's, uh, I mean, the, it's like a Marvel film. It. Do you stay for the yeah. after credit stuff? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and and I, I just don't know where some of these people get their delusions from. You know, it, it's, it's it's almost like they don't know that the people who make these movies watch these movies or have you know like done any type of work in in, in movie making right previously. <laughs> They're oblivious to it in many ways. I, I I don't like to use that term because I like being positive here on the network, but there is a certain amount of obliviousness to it. It's like it, it is presented in front of you, but you choose not to look at it, and you and you choose to create your own narrative, which. Of course, we've learned it's a very dangerous thing in life to create your own narrative sometimes it, it, and to write your own story without giving it background, without giving it storyline, too. And going forward, I, I think, Stephen, one of the main messages here, curious to hear your thoughts on this, is that the fandom just has to take a step back for a second and just say, okay, we're, we're, these are the films that are give, being given to us about Star Wars and about story. This is something that we have to continue to support because it's something that we love. You don't always have to be right about it or you don't always have to be in agreement with it, but it's there for us to enjoy in so many different ways and it's and it's something that we have to continue to to find our own way in understanding whether you just want to read the books, just read the comics. There's so many different ways to take in this galaxy far far away. Definitely and and that's the the beauty about star wars is that it it covers so many different genres especially with the storytelling you know you, yeah. you want you want horror you want you know mystery you want thriller you know so it, it's something there for no matter what you like and that's the beauty about it you, you don't have to like it all you don't have to you know you don't have to follow every minute detail you know and and and, and that's the beauty of it i mean i've I've talked to fans who never in, in their day have ever read a book, or not a book, but you know, a Star Wars book. 
right. Star Wars comic, you know, and they're just as passionate as someone like me or you, you know, who, yeah. you know, who, who will spend hours, you know, reading, you know, the novels and stuff like that. Yeah. And, 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 and also there's, there's, there's also this, this, this idea that you have to love everything for, for you to, to be considered. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and just because there are people out there, I mean, I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. There, there, there's very, there are very few things that I do not like about Star Wars. I mean, for mm-hmm. the most part, I could, I could pretty much say Lucasfilm to this day has not let me down yeah. on, on a lot of things. I mean, does that mean I love everything, uh, you know, that they put out or every decision that they made? No. no. And, uh, but the thing is though, the things that I don't like about Star Wars, and I'm not saying you have to be like this, but the things I don't like about Star Wars, you would never know because I don't yeah. talk about it. You know, right. I, I don't like it. I, I don't, I'll, I'll just throw one thing out there that I don't, I don't like Lego Star Wars. Never been into it. I, I, just I can understand can't, that. I just can't get into it. It's not my thing, you know, but a lot of people enjoy it. But you know what? You would never know until right now since I told you <laughs> that I, I didn't like that because right. you know, you've never seen me talk bad about it. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not something you know that that I need to do, you know. Right. And 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 I feel like that's what a lot of us need to do. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying you just have to go around ignoring everything that you don't like. It's okay to to say, hey, you know what, I don't like this, you know, and yeah. here's why. <laughs> you but just said it. If, give a reason yeah. to it. <laughs> give a give a decent reason to it. Don't, don't start attacking the actors and actresses. Yeah. And and you know what? Move on to the stuff that you do like. You know, yeah. I I know I know uh, some fans. Who, uh, you know, to to my dislike, you know, they don't like the prequels, you know, right. and it's okay. But you know what? When I hang around them, when we talk about Star Wars, I would never know that that person didn't like the prequels because they don't just hound me about it. When right. we talk about Star Wars, we talk about other things, you know, and you know yeah. what? When we love those other things that we can talk all day about. We can talk all day about the original trilogy, about yeah. you know what we like about that. You know, we don't have to talk about you know I hate this, I hate that, you know. And I think that we should focus more on what we love about Star Wars instead of what we what we hate about it. That is beautifully said, Stephen. Absolutely. It really is about what the Star Wars universe gives us every single day. What we had talked about to begin off this freaking episode. What, exactly what Star Wars means to us and what these stories, the Outer Rim, the, the Unknown Regions, Snow, Kylo Ren, Grand Admiral Thrawn, all these different things just tie a bow on what we love about the Star Wars universe and what continues these conversations and what allows us... The, one of the best things to do is to talk about it and share it with people. I think, Stephen, one of the best things is you being the Star Wars guru, myself, the founder of the Brick City Blockade. One of the things... Our, our first passion is to talk about it and to share it with And how they take that in is how they wish to take it in. And how oh, yeah. they wish to be part of that narrative is how they wish to be part of that narrative. And I feel like... Our role in what we do with Star Wars is is just to share it with everybody that we care about and people that are passionate about it. Exactly, and that actually, that's actually the 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 model I like to follow. Uh, follow, especially online, uh, when when I give, especially when I'm talking about some lore that you know some people may not like. Uh-huh. You know, I, like I tell them, it's like all I all I do is. I give you the the information. What you do with it is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, you know, I get that a lot when I post about you know 
characters like Jar Jar Binks or something, you know, you right. know that a, a lot of people, you know, won't like it. You know, it's cool. You don't like it. I'm just here to give you the information. I'm not here to tell you to, to like this character or to dislike right. this character. I'm just telling you what this character is about. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And that's our role is just to share this galaxy far, far away with everybody who touches us in each and every day in this life and everything that that we love about the Star Wars universe and sharing that is just so important heading forward. Steven, it's that time of the show. We're wrapping the bow on this conversation as much as I would like to continue it and push it forward. I have a feeling this thing would probably go five days long. So we'll get you back on and continue this conversation very, very soon. But it's that time of the show. It's a little thing we like to call plug time here at the brickcityblockade.com podcast network and here at make the jump steven mr tillman where can the good people find what's going on with the star wars guru himself across social media well uh you can find me on twitter at the star wars guru you can find me on facebook by looking up the star wars guru i'm also on instagram uh you can uh, search the star wars guru with uh underscores between each word and uh, you can also check my website out uh, com, or, or you can email me for any uh, questions or concerns or any hate mail that you want to send to me <laughs> at contact at com, and uh, that's about it that's that they, people be nice to him all right like i, I understand that I, I get a lot of it actually every day twitter dms like why are you so positive so much all right never, never mind people don't worry about the unity's community friendom stuff i'm gonna try to cut it out a little bit so you don't have to keep messaging me but you guys can follow me over on twitter at mr vote tweets check out the brick city blockade over there at brick city swpc keeping it simple just head over to the website www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in the galaxy fire fire away all the epic guests we're bringing onto the network the interview with the indosher this episode which you'll be listening to very soon probably already listening to on itunes i don't know what the hell i'm talking about and also <laughs> make sure to head on over to t public pick up one of our awesome brickcityblockade.com t-shirts that's what brings on the epic events obviously a fantastic event on september 29th our fan event at fox run mall and please make sure to support the network by subscribing rating and commenting on iTunes, Stitcher, and listening to us on our good friends over at iHeartRadio.com. Mr. Steven Tillman, Mr. Star Wars Guru, thanks so much for coming on Make the Jump, my friend. Such an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me, man. I look forward to talking about Star Wars with you some more, man. Oh, you know it. I'm locking this one in, guys. He's coming back very, very soon. And as we always say here at the Podcast Network and in the Star Wars fandom, may the Force be with you. Always. Anyway.